Good day, everyone. Today, I'm accompanied by Claudio Gras, a contributor to Mises.org and an independent precious metals advisor based out of Switzerland. What's going on with you these days, Claudio? Oh, well, uh, Jose, uh, we are living in, in absurd times. I mean, uh, what we have witnessed over the last two years, two and a half yes. years, I mean, it's just completely absurd. So, I mean, for me, it's, it's a total Muppet show for the puppets. Uh, I think also, you know, Corona really uh, distinguished between, you know, the servants and the free individuals. So, um, yeah, right now the weather is nice. You know, the sun is shining. We have 32 degrees thanks to global warming, which is another hoax, of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> yes. but so far, I mean, I just came, I just came back from Geneva where I spent uh, the weekend. So I was also visiting, you know, the World Economic Forum from the outside just to make a nice picture. Uh, leaving my personal note when I think about these guys, you know, the anointed experts who want to solve and uh, save the planet. I bet you had um, kind words for them. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, these are no, these are the chief puppets of, of the current system, which is basically, uh, I think it's politically also decided that this system should not go l any longer. And uh, whatever we are witnessing right now, it's really, you know, just to destroy Western civilization, Western economy, uh, the Western world as such. You know the values of enlightenment that man is born free so yeah they i mean they just want to bomb us back to the stone ages you know uh, so that's that's at least my my current understanding and uh, i just you know i'm prepared i mean i i told uh, when and everything started in march 2020 uh, i basically introduced the idea of peaceful secession back then i was saying okay corona is the official invitation to leave the system because they will lock us out anyway and back then it was a bit uh, an exotic uh, way how to look at uh, at these things. But I think in the meantime, most of the, I mean, not most of the people, but the, uh, quite the major, um, quite the minority has realized that uh, it's really stinky and it's fishy, and that these uh, anointed intellectuals uh, are basically nothing more than uh, you know intellectual idiots, and that these parasitic uh, politicians are you know it's useless. And, uh, yes, so, indeed. You know, so we'll see, you know, what we'll see, what, what the future will bring. Um, I'm expecting quite a lot of, uh, quite a lot of changes, let's call it that way, within the next 12, 12, 18 months. Oh, big time. Now, before we get into the finer details about Switzerland and other topics of interest, tell my listeners more about yourself. Well, I'm a 51-year-old guy. I, I, I'm, I'm married for 20, more than 20 years. I have two children. Uh, which are 21 and 19, and the dog, of course. Um, I'm, I'm a liberty-loving individual. I, 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 you know, I started my career in the airline business between my 20s and 30s. So it was a good time, you know, to look to look uh, uh, at the world and to see all different kind of cultures. And then um, when 9/11 happened, of course, you know, and uh, mm -hmm. Enron, MCI, you know, 2001, the dot-com bubble. Uh, I, I just realized, you know, I have no clue what's going on on this planet because everyone was healing, you know, this uh, Greenspan and, you know, not the pop stars were the stars any longer. It, the, the central bankers and the politicians became the new stars. And uh, so all my banking friends told me, hey, it's fantastic. You know, Greenspan just lowered interest rates and now he's printing a lot of money. So everything is fine again. And that's when I realized hey, I have no clue. And um, so I started my journey, I was reading, you know, a lot of, uh, then I got in contact with uh, Ludwig von Mises, you know, the classic liberals. So I was reading Hayek, uh, Röpke, Mises, and then of course Rothbard, Hoppe, and it took me uh, a few months to become a classic liberal, or maybe a, a few years, with you know all the understanding how an economy is working, uh, that we have to put the individual in the center, and that politics is always the problem and never the solution. And um, and so yeah, that's um, and now uh, you know I was also working for the United Nations in the Middle East for two years during my time when I was confused. So, and in that period, of course, I realized, you know, that these NGOs and the United Nations, basically, it's just a lousy and a shitty organization should be abolished immediately. And um, so these, these were all, you know, certain stops on my, my path. And uh, so finally, I was able to move into physical gold business uh, around 2011. I started uh, buying physical gold myself in 2004 because I understood that we need sound money for a sound society. And, um, and now I'm for the last five years, I'm basically uh, self-sustainable, independent. I run my own show. Um, so I'm advising people from all over the world you know, how, how to buy uh, and 
what kind of format uh, precious metals uh, outside the banking system really to because they also see it as their hedge against the crisis uh, they also see it as their pension fund they see they understand that they can accumulate wealth over a long period of time by just adding you know precious metals and um, and of course to reach out to my audience uh, I'm, I'm writing articles uh, roughly four articles a month where I talk about uh, geopolitics um, philosophy uh, Austrian economics uh, you know these kind of stuff I think a lot many many roads lead to Rome Therefore, also many many roads lead to, to gold. Uh, people who, who buy physical gold, they basically also uh, understand. I mean, they they have thought about some basic questions because you know they're not they don't lose they're not lost on the surface. You know, they they really want to dig deeper and try also to understand the world we're in. And I think as a, as a clear reaction, you know, it's that you have to protect yourself and uh, buy something which is scarce and which is basically the, the antidote to the current system. And that's, yeah, physical precious metals is definitely one of the key parts of it. Very interesting stuff. Now, let's dive right into like the dichotomy between Switzerland and the European Union, because it's no exaggeration to say that continental Europe, especially the EU, is a land of statism centralization and just overall government overreach. What has made Switzerland able to avoid this prevailing trend towards centralization? I mean, the whole, the whole historical, the, the whole history is, is a history of decentralization, of non-centralization. It's even better description when it comes to Switzerland. So, you know, everything has been built up. Uh, it was based on the principles of subsidiarity so, you know, the most important uh, was always the municipality. Uh, and still today, for example, you know, the biggest taxes, they go directly to the municipality. So the central government only gets 10%. But we had, you know, we had four different languages. Uh, we had different uh, ethics. Uh, you know, we have Italian speaking, Roman speaking, we have German speaking, French speaking, uh, uh, people uh, who built up uh, what we call today Switzerland. And, um, and because everything has been so heavily decentralized, based on these principles of subsidiarity, you know, everything from the bottom up, because we also, we don't have one president, you know, we have seven of these guys. Uh, so the division of power was also part of, of, of the history of Switzerland. And um, so this is still, you know, in the DNA of the Swiss. Of course, also uh, independence, uh, you know, that we are neutral, a neutral armed country. That's also part of our history. And so that's still there. But of course, you know, the last 25 years, I would say middle of the 90s, you know, when this, the whole American MBA globalization culture started, you know, everyone had to do an, an executive MBA and uh, think global, act local, all these bullshit phrases, which were... Yeah, uh, universalism for you. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, so... <clears throat> and then, of course, you know, we had a huge credit orgy. I mean, they just, that's when they really started, you know, uh, I mean, that, that's when they built up China, for example. I mean, that was really also during the 90s. So I think since the 90s, I mean, a lot of things have changed, of course. You know, we really have this multiculturalism also over here in Switzerland, an influx of people. In the past, we always, you know, Switzerland used to be always an immigration country. But basically back then, you know, the people came to Switzerland uh, because they were looking for less government, less taxes, more freedom, more liberty. I mean, that's also why, you know, Lenin and Marx, for example, were in Switzerland, because no one was mm -hmm. prosecuting them, because there wasn't a king who, who, was, uh, who was scared that, you know, Marx might overthrow his position uh, with his strange ideas. So in Switzerland, we never had that, you know. We had really, I mean, the, the cantons were uh, very, they were basically quite self-responsible back then, before we had, you know, the, the confederation. And um, so this is, you know, this is still in our genes, the last 25 years, of course, centralization, credit expansion, uh, you know, the destruction of culture as such uh, also had a huge impact. You know, we, we came from 6 million people. Now we are close, I think, 9 million, something like this, close to 10 already. But uh, yeah, I mean, the last two years, I just realized, you know, that we have at least, I would say, 30% of the Swiss who understand that the world has changed. They also understand that what the government is doing is not right. You know, they still can't distinguish between right and wrong. Uh, 
uh, they are not um, as brainwashed like the others, where basically they, are, they distinguish between legal and illegal. <laughs> mm -hmm. So yeah, so that's that's uh, that's it in 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 a, in a nutshell. Yeah, Switzerland is like very unique in many respects because of the fact that <clears throat> yeah, you have like geography that lends it pretty like favorable to like build like pretty independent polities that are hard to fully centralize because when you look at it like a lot of like the rest of Europe, it's like really flat land and that's like open to like invasion and and even centralization too, because there's always like that incentive to build large like standing armies and whatnot. And that, that does like make uh, Switzerland pretty unique because as well as you mentioned too, there is a pretty strong tradition of gun ownership there, which is very different from the rest of Europe. Now, I want to touch upon the decentralization theme that you're hitting throughout this conversation. Because you see a lot of like different jurisdictions within Switzerland competing amongst each other. How does Switzerland's canton system work and how many subunits are there in the country? So we basically have 26 uh, cantons. And uh, with, the, with the principle of subsidiarity, of course, we always, I mean, you know, we have executive, uh, legislative and judicial. Uh, um, we have it on every level. We have it on the, on the on the on the nation level, but we also have it on the state uh, on the canton level, but also on the municipality level, you know, which is which is quite interesting. And so, of course, because of these structures, we always had the competition of ideas. So let's say you know if I live now in the in in, in Hünenberg, uh, say, and you know, uh, and if I was not happy with the municipality of Hünenberg because there were rising taxes or whatever, then I basically always had the possibility to to vote with my feet and move into another municipality, which is maybe 500 meters uh, more far away. And um, so, so there was always, you know, so this, this permanent competition among municipalities, among uh, the cantons, that basically also kept, you know, the taxes and, you know, the centralized government and the power of the politicians uh, limited. And, uh, and of course, in the last 20 years, that changed a bit because uh, we also had then, you know, um, a political decision that whenever, you know, so the good cantons, for example, if they solved, if they saved money and they got more, you know, tax incomes and so on, in the past, they were able to reduce the taxes. But since 2004, it has been decided that, you know, that the guys who do a fine job and that they have uh, more money uh, at the end of the year, so that they basically, instead of giving it back to the, to the taxpayers, they, they had to give it into a, a pot, into a centralized pot. And so, of course, you know, there was in the beginning, there was a destruction of these federal structures through the back door. And, uh, and then, of course, the whole redistribution started so that central government became more important. And, uh, and with it, of course, you know, the money redistribution uh, became more important, therefore also corruption and so on. And, uh, and, and centralization has been an outcome of it. But um, I think for the time being, um, yeah, you know, there is always, it's like a pendular. Uh, it, when it swings, you know, it also swings back. And I think um, it's, it's really interesting now, especially this summer, to see the people. Uh, I think really a lot of people realize that there is, that the world really has changed. They don't know exactly right now what they have to do because everything is working still fine. We just hear in the, me in the media and in the newspaper and by the politicians, they are planning their plans, what they want to do in the future. And so I think a lot of, a lot of Swiss people now understand that, that is really, we don't, we don't go back to pre-corona days and that the world really has changed and that they have to prepare for energy lockdowns, you know, the, the, the melon fraction uh, plans, you know, of, of shutting down the old economy and, uh, and that, yeah, we might see, you know, civil unrest, civil war pretty soon, most likely. Yeah, the new normal really is the new abnormal at this point. That's what what's it's gonna be like yeah. and uh, across the collective West. Now, yeah, yeah, you raise some good points here because I've always imagined that even like a country like Switzerland, which has all these uh, cantons and <clears throat> varying jurisdictions, there's probably a lot of like policy variants from canton to canton. Are there cantons that are more pro-freedom and are there ones that mirror your typical EU member state? I mean, when it comes to the, you know, I mean, we state, we always have, I mean, you know, part of the EU, of course, you know, politicians, they always want to join another club where they can drink champagne together, of course. 
Um, but you know, the majority of the Swiss people, I think it's more than 80% still, they are completely against the European Union. And that's basically everywhere. When it comes to more freedom-oriented uh, states, then I would say mainly the ones in the center of Switzerland, the old ones with the mountain area, where we have, you know, basically we had this corona, uh, we had some corona polls in the past, and, and you were seeing that, you know, that all the people who said no to what the government was looking for were basically in this belt along uh, the mountain area. Mm. So, so that was an interesting, so that's basically, yeah, you know, uh, the, 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 the farmers, you know, the, 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 the people uh, living, not in, I mean, the cities are all lost. The cities yes, are all yeah. that's a universal uh, socialist, trend. communist, absolutely. I mean, you know, there you, the ma there you have the masses and, uh, and the welfare system and, and all that stuff. Uh, but when, it, when you go out into the green, you know, a little bit out into the, into the countryside, then you find uh, a lot of freedom-loving individuals still also here in Switzerland. Yeah, I um, now for with regards to COVID nineteen, it was particularly shocking the way governments in the collective West responded to uh, this virus. It was a mask off moment, really, for many governments, and they did showcase their truly despotic nature that they've hidden for many years. But now, like they can no longer hide that any um, so. In the Swiss case, how did the Swiss government approach COVID? I mean, um, you know, the Swiss government, we were the first ones closing the borders because of Corona with Italy. Uh, I think that was around 13th of March. Uh, I wanted to fly to the States. I wanted to visit some uh, customers. So I was sitting on my balcony when I heard that the Swiss were shutting down the borders. And then I knew, of course, you know, that it was not North Korea or, you know, uh, another totalitarian country or China or something. It was really Switzerland. So I knew, okay, now this is, there's a different agenda at play. It doesn't make sense. And um, so at the beginning, you know, it was, I mean, the Swiss, the, the, the politicians, the, the national politicians, uh, they basically went for all these lockdowns. And, uh, and then it was, at the beginning, it has always been a suggestion. You know, I mean, if I was, I also did a, a movie together with a friend, it's called Planet Lockdown where we were basically traveling all over Europe uh, in, in, and we started in, in June, July uh, 2020. Uh, so I, I was, you know, I was traveling all over Czech Republic. I was in Germany, I was in Austria, I was in France, I was in Liechtenstein, I was in Italy. And uh, so the whole story in Switzerland was different. I mean, we never had the police going after uh, individuals because they were not wearing a mask outside, for example. I mean, you have seen, you know, the police brutality in Switzerland was by far and, uh, you know, not, you cannot compare it with Germany or with the Netherlands or with France and so on. Because our politicians, I mean, first of all, the Swiss are not used that the government uh, has so much power and that the, the government is interfering in their, in, the, in, their, in their personal life. And so that's why they had to, you know, start it at the beginning. Then, of course, they used the media, you know, to do this scaremonger and panic, to, to spread panic, to spread fear. And, all, and then they realized, okay, people are listening and they also behave the same way like the others i mean then they just increased uh, their efforts a bit and then they started to sue people if they were not wearing a muscle and so on uh, but look look at me i mean i i never i never wear the muscle uh, of course i have a medical certificate you have to hack the system uh, that's important you know use the same same tools as the others are also using big time but, but this medical certificate helped me you know i i was in france uh, i was in spain i was in portugal i was even flying uh, to Egypt, not wearing a muscle as the only one. I was the only guy at the airport not wearing a muscle. But honestly, I was never more... The welcome at the airport was, was outstanding. People were so happy to see a person without the muscle. So, yeah. So, I, you know, and yeah, the Swiss, you know, the Swiss are, you know, we have, we, have, we survived two world wars. And because we have of these decentralized structures and weak politicians, uh, basically, the Swiss—they uh, they trust the government a bit more than you know when you look into other countries, you know, because mm -hmm. our our government was always weak. So, so somehow you can also say that the Swiss are just a bit uh, more naive when it comes to the government because they, they cannot imagine that government would take those kind of decisions, uh, you know, completely against their own interests. So that that was always a bit. That's why they also, you know most likely went along with all these restrictions. But we had a lot of demonstrations. 
and uh, and I think you know if they really want to restart it uh, this uh, autumn, uh, I think it will be interesting you know if if the Swiss will uh, comply or not. Uh, but I think much less people are going to comply if they will bring it. But maybe you know this time it will be you know the lockdowns because of energy and so on of course. So we'll see. But I think yeah the Swiss are fed up. And uh, a lot of people realize, you know, we just we have to exit the system. I mean, the world economic crisis is coming anyway. They're driving down the system. Uh, I mean, all these political decisions are so absurd, completely idiotic. Uh, it, it really hurts us. It hurts the, the West. Uh, it's not hurting, you know, the Russians and so on. Um, so I think more and more yes. people realize it. And, um, and, and uh, yeah, they are really, the awakening is, is, uh, is ongoing. It was just too much. It was really too yeah. much. Already when it started in March 2020, uh, I had friends, you know, who were always in the system and telling me, listen, as long as I make more than inflation, everything is fine. Um, but even these guys called me up saying, hey, now something is completely wrong. We don't understand what the government is doing. And um, so, yeah, you know, God, I, I don't want to live in a golden cage anyway. You know? so, uh, so to me, you know, it's also, it can also be an opportunity, you know, because this system, the system we are in, uh, which is becoming so totalitarian, uh, I think it's time, you know, to to also abolish it. And, oh yeah, uh, hopefully there is some flush it down the toilet. Absolutely, yeah. and I hope now that the people. No, I mean right now what we can see everywhere is basically the national socialists versus the international socialists. And that's of course, you know, still the Hegelian dialectic, problem, reaction, solution. And I really hope that more and more people realize that you know we have to abolish, you know, the no masters. I mean the. The truth lies not no masters, no servants. The truth and the wisdom lies in, 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 in the saying, without servants, no masters. So we don't need politicians, you know, who, I mean, the only guys in politics, I mean, they go into politics because you cannot, you, these guys are useless. You cannot use them, you know, the private economy, they would not make a career. So that's why they have to go to the government and steal, you know, our money and, and, and live, uh, <laughs> and live a, a happy life by commanding, you know, what we have to do, what we are allowed to say, what we are allowed to eat, what we are allowed to drink, uh, even what we are allowed to, yeah, to think. It's, uh, it's just, yeah, the level of absurdity is so huge that I'm really wondering, you know, what, what's going on in, in, in the coming months. Yeah, we're all wondering that. Now, on a more positive note, one thing that I like about Switzerland, just viewing it from the outside is that it does have a pretty strong gun culture outside of the U.S. It's one of the few countries that has a high gun ownership rate per capita. What explains this gun ownership tradition and how easy is it for the average Swiss citizen to acquire firearms in Switzerland? Okay, I mean, you know, the gun culture, I mean, you know, we have a militia system. And, and uh, I also, I, I'm, I'm an officer of the Swiss army, or I used to be one, uh, of this militia system. Uh, so when you go to the, to the conscript school, uh, you, every, every, every soldier, soldier at the end of, uh, of these uh, 16 weeks, they had to serve the beginning, something like this. Uh, they were allowed to take the gun at home, of course, you know, just for the, the emergency if we are being attacked, that we basically can mobilize uh, the defense. So everyone has, uh, has, you know, a fully automated rifle at home basically. And um, of course, over the last few years, they also tried to, to make the regulations a bit harder, you know, that, not, that you cannot buy, uh, not that easily. I mean, you still can buy everything, but you need to fill in more papers. Let's call it that way. And, um, and interestingly, I have a friend of mine, he's also uh, selling guns, and uh, his, his business exploded over the last few years. So the, the Swiss are really, uh, they are arming themselves they're preparing, you know, with munitions, with arms, and um, yeah, because I mean, the Swiss they they understand that you know we have we got we are armed because you know that we can fight against the totalitarian government, and that's that's and, and also if, if our country is being attacked, that we can defend uh, the family and the ones we love, and 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 we never had you know big big problems with with guns in Switzerland. I mean, it's really a cultural thing, you know. We had a good culture, we had a, a system which is still up to today when I, when I look at the trust among the people. I mean, when you look at the self-quarantine, human interaction becomes a medical threat and so on. I mean, that was all I discussed with Václav Klaus, the former president of Czech uh, Republic. 
And he basically told me, yeah, this we know this from communism, you know, because the beginning of every totalitarian system is first you have to destroy the horizontal relationships, you have to destroy the trust among the individuals. And that's what Corona did. But when I now compare Switzerland and Germany or with Austria or with France and so on, I mean, then still the level of trust within Switzerland is, is on a very high level. And the, and the more trust, the more freedom, the more sound the people as well. You know? and, uh, and of course, in the lower the trust, uh, yeah, the lower individual freedom, the more totalitarian government and so on. So I think it's, we are in interesting, yeah, it's Switzerland is, 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 is once again, uh, I think, good positioned, uh, even also in the center of Switzerland, uh, in the center of Europe, to survive, you know, what, what's coming. And, um, and the old the old values who made Switzerland uh, a successful and prosperous uh, nation uh, was really you know, that people realized it was freedom and liberty and less government and more competition, competition of ideas, competition among individuals, competition among municipalities and so on. Another facet of the Swiss political system that piqued my interest uh, um, is it's a set of migratory policies. If I'm not mistaken, it's sort of localized in the sense that if I, that people's neighbors and their immediate and like the people in their immediate community have some degree of input in determining who receives citizenship. Overall, how does the Swiss immigration system work? I mean, basically, I mean, of course, you know, centralized government took over more responsibility. Uh, but in the past, you know, if somebody wanted to, I mean, it's still hard to migrate into Switzerland because you really need money. Mm -hmm. um, you know, of course, if you're a refugee and you have a special status, I mean, that's, you know, that's the people that we attract today. You know, we're attracting those people who basically want to migrate into a higher social welfare system. Uh, so it's not, it's not that we are looking for the best people, the most, uh, you know, the, the successful entrepreneurs. And, uh, so, so that has changed a bit. But uh, migration is... Um, you, know, you can only become Swiss if you lived at least 10 years in, in the same municipality. And then after 10 years, you basically you can ask the municipality to start this immigration process and you become a Swiss passport. Uh, and then the municipality is deciding. You know, when they come together, the people living in that municipality, they basically come together and then they, can, they decide if they want to accept someone into, in, as a Swiss uh, or not. So it was very, very much decentralized. People knew who is going to be uh, integrated, you know, do we really want to hand him over a Swiss passport? Is he a jerk or is he, you know, uh, an unproductive, unproductive, whatever? Uh, then, of course, these guys had, had uh, problems in the past, but that was always, yeah, in the hands of the people. But, yeah, I mean, politicians, you know, the whole migration agenda, this cultural Marxism agenda, I mean, that has, you know, politicians always find a way how to bring, uh, you know, dependent uh, people into the country in the hope that they will also vote for the government and, and, and yeah, support the government decisions and so on. You know, it's, but, uh, and as I said, you know, we, uh, yeah, we have roughly, I would say, 40% foreigners now in Switzerland. Mm. It's really, it's really, I mean, you know, okay, I, I love, you know, I love, I have been traveling all over the world. I love the Middle East, for example. I love, uh, my friends are all uh, internationals. You know, my best friends are Egyptians and Dutch people and uh, from France and Germany, from everywhere. And uh, so I have nothing against, uh, I love different cultures, but, but what they are trying, you know, this cultural Marxism, this Frankfurt school, you know, this 68 generation, this melon fraction, you know, outside green, inside red, in the core they are brown. Uh, they really try to destroy all these cultures and make everything uh, the same. And this is something, yeah. of course, I don't, uh, I don't agree with. And I see it as a, as a real threat because culture is, yeah, even uh, I always said, you know, how the people how the people are going to react over the next 12, 18 months when we see, you know, I mean, there's always, it's never about the money. You know, money is, is never the issue, in, especially not in the credit-based system. It's always about the scarcity of goods and services. And now we can see, you know, for the last two years, two years, two and a half years, we haven't been that productive. So goods and services are be becoming more scarce. And now they basically also want to take away the energy so that you cannot even produce stuff. And this is all politically, uh, political agenda driven forward. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, uh, so that's why I said, you know, it, it will be how, how the, the different regions are going to deal with the outcome of, of this corona uh, politics. Uh, it will be a cultural thing. 
you know, are they going to shoot each other immediately? Are you know, they going to try to steal from the other? Or you know, will you are you surrounded by people who basically say, okay, you know, let's 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 restart and let's let's get together and uh, and, and we built up a new way of you know civilization or, or a new system. And I think here in Switzerland, I have really good feeling because everywhere you know we have this uh, private. I mean, you have all these small groups popping up everywhere, and now. Already, you have these like-minded people who, who, who come together, and they're also discussing, you know, where to go a little bit outside of. You have to move out of the densely populated areas. You have to leave the cities, of course. And when you go out into the green with like-minded individuals, uh, you know so that they really can prepare for, for uh, yeah, the end of the current system. And um, and this is you know have at least I think 100, 120 different groups all over Switzerland, which are already going in that direction. So that's a good sign. So I'm positive when it comes to the future that um, you know individualism is not uh, is not that death in Switzerland, and that we might you know that we will have less problems with this collectivistic uh, puppet show and muppet show uh, movements and this uh, identity groups movements. I mean, this is something we don't have that much over here in Switzerland. You know, it's much worse in Germany or in the United oh, States. Oh yeah, G Germany is awful. Yeah. Oh, horrible. horrible. <laughs> Now, <clears throat> have there been efforts by NGOs, pro-mass migration politicians, and corporations addicted to cheap labor to open up the immigration floodgates in Switzerland? Oh, sure, sure. Absolutely. No, I mean, it's also, it's, it's part of this, uh, it's this culture, you know, it's this, this multiculturalism, the whole LGBT, uh, it's, it's uh, yeah, I mean, the de-illusioned the, the house. I mean, yeah, we, we really de-illusioned. They are hearing for 20 years now the world is going down in seven years and that CO2 is the big poison, uh, which is, I mean, that is so toxic and it's bullshit. You know, CO2 is really the natural fertilizer. But the more CO2 we have in the atmosphere, the greener the planet. It's amazing, you know. <laughs> yeah. They were, yeah, so everything, exactly. is, everything is upside down and, and it's really How the Yaos. And the Yaos is, yeah, they're completely uh, confused you know, and de-illusioned. And that, that was also one of the, uh, you know, there was even during the Soviet Union, you know, they invested most of the money into propaganda because they were also saying in the past, you know, the most important is that we de-illusion the house. Because once they are de-illusioned, then they, they don't even talk. You cannot have a debate, you know, they, they, don't, they will not argue with you. And, and that's, that's the generation that you need, you know, to overthrow a system. And when we look back into the history, I mean, all these revolutions have always been led by intellectuals. You know, kind of Pol Pot or Mao or, you know, the Bolsheviks, mm. Lenin, uh, or, you know, also the Nazis. Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, I hope that this time people will not, um, I don't know, I hope that people will be a bit more smarter and will use their own mind independent of another person's guidance, you know, and we'll maybe, hopefully, they read once, you know, Immanuel Kant and the Enlightenment, uh, because that's, that's, that's our history. That's the history of the West, uh, you know, and um, so that man is born free, that we are not the means to an end, and that we need free speech, that we need, you know, private property needs to be defended. That's the core. And this is the whole message, you know, of this World Economic Forum, of course. You own nothing and you will be happy by 2030. I mean, right now with Corona, that has been, you know, the, we were not allowed to, to own our own body and mind. You know, it was really government took away the, that responsibility. And this is something which not even government can basically take away from us. You know, we command ourselves. If we don't command ourselves, we always remain servants. And that's exactly what it is. And so I think, uh, yeah, there are plenty of servants, of course, around. But... Uh, more, I never saw so many interesting, entrepreneurial, uh, you know, excellent people. I met so many great people over the last two years. Um, so that's why I'm so positive that, uh, you know, we cannot change the world. You know, that's impossible. I also don't want to change the world. I mean, these, you know, we have enough of these messiahs and politicians. That's their job. Uh, but we can only take, you know, self-responsibility and uh, protect us and, uh, and have an influence on on our own life and I think that's what a lot of people are now focusing on. They're leaving the system, they're buying gold, they're leaving the banking system, they're going off-grid. Um, so it's a, it's, it's a wonderful development. Switzerland is definitely known if you were to talk to like the average American specifically for its like reputation as like a 
tax shelter of sorts and has attracted all manner of expats who want to reduce their tax burdens or at least keep their money safe from the capricious natures of, of a lot of governments across the globe. Is that reputation of financial privacy still intact or has it been undermined in recent years? Oh, of course, it has been undermined uh, over the recent years, that's for sure. I mean, we have seen it also in 2000, 2008, when basically, you know, we had to uh, give up our banking secrecy. And we always said, you know, banking secrecy back then, it was always, the aim was that, that, not the, that the government cannot, uh, you know, that, that the individual still has a kind of protection uh, against uh, a totalitarian state. That's why we had this uh, banking secrecy, you know. And, um, of course, the last, as I said, you know, the last 20 years, 25 years, a lot of things have changed. Uh, a lot of things have, uh, we have been weakened. Uh, also the structures in Switzerland uh, as a safe haven. Uh, there is no banking secrecy uh, any longer. Our politicians are, yeah, the same idiots, the same crooks, you know, uh, like, like uh, their, their uh, counterparts, uh, wherever they are. But still, private property, you know, the, the work ethic, and I, so, I don't, you know, there are a lot of, I mean, also what, you know, Switzerland became, you know, in 1840, for example, Echoese had already 1,500 employees. We were the highest industrial nation on the continent of Europe before the Germans, after the Brits, of course. But, you know, we became um, a, a prosperous nation because of the decentralized structures, because of more liberty, less taxation, less government. And of when we, and you, know, you might remember, you know, end of the 90s with Clinton, D'Amato and Ed Fagan and so on, and the, the Jewish World Congress, who basically attacked Switzerland saying, hey, no, we made our money during the Second World War, we, we have stolen it from, from the Jews and so on. And there was a huge campaign, which was, which is still ongoing. And to me, I, I, I always thought, you know, this is really because when you look at what's, what's going on on this planet, I mean, the antidote to whatever is is going on would be the model of Switzerland, you know, the decentralized. Uh, Agreed. Uh, all that stuff. And, and I think, so they really try to destroy the reputation of Switzerland. I mean, lot, today, a lot of people believe that we are the belly of the beast because we have the United Nations, the, the WHO, the, the WTO, you know, and then we have the World Economic Forum and, and the wars and so on. Uh, but I think all those sociopaths uh, and all these crooky uh, and, and, and bullshit organizations came to Switzerland because it was a weak government. Uh, and, and the Swiss people were never that much interested in politics. You know, we were just a neutral nation, armed, uh, we did our own business. We were very uh, open to trade and to work with the whole world. And, uh, and because of these structures uh, and the weak government, of course, you, know, you also had the crooks positioning themselves into, of course, all these international organizations. Uh, yeah, you want to be in a, in a, in a sovereign, neutral uh, country. And um, so, yeah, so we lost a lot when it comes to reputation, uh, but a lot has been just uh, made up. Uh, that's my understanding. Uh, I mean, the physical precious metal business, of course, you know, to me, it was always important. Uh, I mean, I only store on behalf of customers uh, here in Switzerland and Liechtenstein. And, uh, and the aim, of course, was always that because the power of the politicians is limited, because of our uh, political structures, it's the best place. Because private property, especially when kept outside the banking system, I think in the banking system, you forget about it. I mean, in the banking system, private property rights are only of temporary nature. That's mm -hmm. what we have seen. And when the system goes bust, I mean, then, you know, also the Swiss banks are going bust. I don't see uh, a big difference there. But private property, to confiscate private property, I mean, that's, that's something you cannot do. You have to bring it in front of the people. And then the people would have to say, yes, please take away my private property. Uh, and I don't see it happen. Uh, so I think it's still one of the best jurisdictions that you can find. And the, the people are still well, more sound than, you know, than uh, w when I see other uh, cultures with which we are surrounded with. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially, yeah, just look at, look at the EU, like the average EU state ah. is just bonkers. Um, now, yeah. I, I want to touch upon uh, Liechtenstein. Yeah. How does it compare to Switzerland in terms of freedoms? Switzerland, uh, Liechtenstein is also, it's a good example. I mean, it's, uh, the, the royal family has a veto power. Uh, so, I mean, it's a, basically, it's a, it's a parliamentary democracy. So they have a parliament, the politicians can decide and so on. But if, if politics is coming up with too funny and crazy ideas, uh, basically, then the ruling, uh, uh, not the king, what is he, uh, the first, 
you know, he basically has a veto power and he can stop it. And uh, when we look at the House of Liechtenstein, I mean, they are, yeah, classic liberals. I mean, they're also hosting uh, the Center for Austrian Economics. So uh, they have been prosecuted in the past. You know, they lost a lot of, they have their land in Czech, uh, Czechoslovakia has been confiscated. So they know uh, what it means, you know, when, when governments become totalitarian and then they're going after uh, other people's wealth. And uh, so I think, yeah, Liechtenstein is also, it's, it's also um, a good solution. And uh, I think also the freedom or, or among the people is, is, is much, is on a higher level than, I mean, it's, it's on about the same level as, as here in Switzerland. I mean, it's really, there's not even a border, but I think so Switzerland and Liechtenstein are, yeah, approximately the same when it comes to individual liberty and freedom. Another point that you mentioned that caught my attention as well is like Swiss neutrality. That's like a hallmark of like Switzerland's political brand. It's very committed to remaining neutral in foreign affairs. Would you say that tradition is still pretty strong or is it slowly eroding? You know, the problem is that, of course, we have the politicians on the national level, you know, our um, federal council. I mean, these seven guys are completely, I mean, they are part of the agenda. They are, you know, I don't know, idiots. I don't know if they are just idiots or if they are just, you know, yeah. Some of them are also ideological driven. Of course, but they they have you know today. I mean, the media and and big big government and big media is basically putting out certain stories. And um, so we had to see when everything started with the Russians. Of course, I mean there was a poll here in Switzerland. You know, if if who won, if we still should remain uh, neutral. And I think I think ninety percent, ninety three percent of the people were saying yes, we need to remain uh, sovereign, independent, neutral. Definitely. And we don't agree, you know, what's going on with all these Russians, that it, it cannot be that we start confiscate stuff from people because they're coming from a, from a country where, uh, you know, where, you know, the Americans or some other uh, Muppet Show players basically are saying, you know, these are the good guys and these are the bad guys. And um, so the media and the, and, and the federal council and the national politicians, I mean, that's, you see those messages. But we had, for example, when everything started in, in February, I think it was in April, where the Swiss TV, which is also completely uh, Marxist, of course, went, came to my canton where I'm living in Zug, and they, they went to, you know, to, to the guy who's responsible for the economy and so on, and they made an interview. And, and so the, the, camera was, the camera team was asking, hey, did you already confiscate the Russian assets? And then the guy was standing there saying, what do I have to do? I, I haven't heard that I have to confiscate you know, stuff from, from Russians. And then he called up his secretary and, and asked him, you know, while, while being uh, uh, live, you know, have you heard that we have to confiscate the assets and so on? And then the other guy replied, no, we don't. And so that just shows the media is promoting a certain story because it's all about online democracy. I, mean, I think the whole, the whole Corona shit would not have, it would haven't been possible without social media and all that crap. Mm-hmm. You know, today you really can, you can manipulate the masses with all these centralized anti-social social media tools so we are manipulated all the time you know through the tv through the the mass media and so on uh, and they just they just send out one message but it does not go through even within our system you know we, we can we can see that there is resistance on this on the canton level against the policies i mean i can also i'm i'm have I've been contacted by you know politicians and some people who are closer in the system, and they they truly understand what's going on and they're not happy with it. So the opposition is growing, not just among you know the individuals, but also among those who are uh, living you know are a part of the system. So I think, but that's of course that's what we don't see because the media, the mass media, would never show that. You know, we don't have a dialogue. We cannot exchange ideas. We cannot share different uh, opinions. Uh, you, there is no chance, you know, there is only one, one voice is allowed or one narrative is, is allowed and that's it. But so, I mean, yeah, that, that's also why we have so badly presented when it comes to, to, to countries, uh, you know, when the people look at Switzerland, they see really this Muppet show, but that sometimes has not too much to do with what's really happening on, on the ground. Is that answering? Yeah, now... <clears throat> What has uh, the Swiss government's official stance with regards to the Russo-Ukrainian conflict been? Are there like any uh, politicians or organizations who want to break Switzerland's like 
tradition of like non-interference and embrace like the more progressive interventionist foreign policy that's being t uh, waged against Russia? No, I think, you know, the only, I mean, the only possibility would be that we just, you know, we take over the sanctions by the European Union and by the others. But it's not that we would send troops or stuff like this. I mm -hmm. think that's not, uh, even the Swiss army, they cannot, maybe they find a few idiots who are willing to go to Kiev and, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, but then it's a detachment of, let's say, a few guys. But, you know, it's, so we, we will not take part of the, in this uh, conflict uh, when it comes to uh, soldiers and so on. That's, I don't see that happening at all. But of course, I mean, you know, when we are taking over the sanctions and all that kind of stuff, then we also it's a new form of warfare. Enemy. Absolutely, and this is this is yeah, this is really it's 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 it has been decided by the centralized uh, government, uh, and they are breaking the constitution. I mean, it's in our constitution that we will always remain a neutral and armed country, and that's part of. I mean, our constitution has been broken, of course, several times. And I always say to people, hey, listen, it's okay, let them break the constitution. I mean, then also the masses will learn and realize once yeah, in the future. Yeah, the things will go back to normal. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, the constitution of Switzerland is pretty close to the, to the American one. I mean, and it's really protecting the individual against the totalitarian state and not the other way around. And uh, I think, yeah. So I'm sure, you know, even more Swiss have, have read our constitution. They haven't, they haven't checked the constitution for the lot, you know, Never during their lifetime, but I'm sure over the last two years, a lot, a lot of more people started to read and to think and uh, look into what's what's actually there. Is it right what the government is doing, what these politicians are doing? And I think it's it's obvious and it's completely. I mean, it's yeah, it's as I said, it's completely absurd. They are crooks and thieves and criminals, and uh, I will never forget what they did. I will never forgive what they did. So I think, and, and I'm not the only one. You know, we are free. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah. We will we will make we will make our our way in the future, and um, and I think we are enough people. And we I can hear I mean not only in Switzerland I think you have them in France you have them in Germany, Italy. Mm -hmm. So even you know maybe maybe we're gonna end up with uh, a free a free world and, and maybe you know some slaves uh, camps. I mean um, I don't know. We'll see. The transition yeah. period is a bit um, yeah. There we don't know exactly what's going what, what is going to happen. But I don't believe that government will go after the ones who are leaving the system peacefully, because they will have enough work to do with the guys they they want, the guys who want to be locked up, and they believing in universal basic income, and the government will always save them, and, and you know, and the, the nanny state. I mean, when they when these guys realize that yeah, the universal basic income is not the purchasing power is not that good, and when they realize that all these promises uh, are basically hot air. I think then you know there are nine. I think what there are nine meals in between order and chaos. You know, so three days if they have no food, yep. and we and we're going to see. It's a good bar barometer. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. then and then of course you know. So if you have some police forces, whatever, they might go you know after their after the yeah servants uh, because the servants will uh, will behave uh, also not in, in in the best way. And uh, I think so. That's why. That's why I also believe that if yeah, the peaceful ones, if we just leave a bit, we go outside, go a little bit up into the mountain area, we will be fine. I mean, people always survived. You know, there are some people survived first and second world war pretty okay when they were off grid and they prepared. And uh, and then you know, then we will see. You know what what the new system. Uh, I hope that we're gonna end up with hundred thousands of uh, Liechtenstein's or cantons of Switzerland. You know, not just from this unipolar system in which we are in, uh, with the U.S. As, as the imperial power, and you know, the, the world reserve currency and so on, and, uh, and of course, uh, world domination because they can fight two wars at the same time. I think that's over. And but I don't believe, you know, in in in, in the story that China and the East are going to take over. I mean, they're also going to explode when this world, when this system will. Yeah, we'll, we'll drive into the wall. And, uh, and so we don't know yet, you know, if you're going to have a much more fragmented uh, world in the future. Now, uh, speaking of like centralization again, Switzerland is obviously not an EU member. And if I'm not mistaken, there have been attempts to have it become more integrated with the EU, but Swiss voters have rejected those ventures on multiple occasions. Yeah. Is there a strong desire among the Swiss ruling class to 
have Switzerland join the EU? Sure. I mean, you know, we also have the alliance between big business and big government. And all these multinational companies and so on with their expats. I mean, they, these are the guys who, who want to be part of it, of course. And then you have the media, which is completely Marxistic and collectivistic. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, th these are the forces who basically want us to push us into the, uh, into the uh, European Union. But I mean, the, the people as such, I mean, and that's, you know, we have those polls popping up every three years. I mean, still the majority, I mean, yeah, 80, 89 percent of, of the people living in Switzerland are completely against the European Union. They never want to join the European Union. So that's, that's, that's still a fact. But of course, you know, politicians, they do it a little bit uh, through the back door, you know, with this, all these agreements and taking over this and taking over that. And um, yeah, they, it, it will be enough soon. Uh, and when, when the people will realize that they really have to say no to whatever is coming from government. And um, so I hope we are going towards that direction. What are some ways that the EU has tried to like bully Switzerland into like embracing more of its like managerial standards and becoming like a de facto member of the EU? Yeah, I mean, the bullying is it's constantly, of course. And then at the same time, I look at our Swiss National Bank, you know, I mean, they basically became a hedge fund. We had, we had, they had a balance of uh, 50 billion, uh, always, you know, up to 2006, 2007. And today we are standing at 1,000, you know, because we went off the gold standard of, in, in 2000. We took it out of the constitution that, you know, that, uh, because still we were the last country on the gold standard. Uh, so 40% of all the money in circulation needed to be backed up by physical precious metals. And that has been taken out in the year 2000. And, um, and so what we did, you know, we purchased, I mean, we bailed out, we helped to bail out uh, Europe, you know, Swiss where the SMB was printing money and then buying euros or buying, you know, stocks and bonds and everything. So, um, and then we have to pay 1 billion there and we have to pay another billion over there, you know, for the EU. So it was always constantly uh, uh, putting pressure on us. But yeah, I mean, now it's, now it's, you know, that's the final stage. I mean, it's... No, I think the, yeah, the show is is really you know the, the music is getting uh, it, it's not as loud any longer and uh, it, it soon is going to stop and then I think yeah it's not it's it will not be uh, a topic any longer anyway because the European Union is definitely going to fall apart and I think also mm. I'm already expecting now I mean it's just a matter of time until the euro yes. is going to drop tremendously again I mean. I'm really, I think now we're in the, in the time frame, you know, it's summertime, okay, people were allowed to travel again, no mask, you know, so let them, bit, you know, drink, have sex, you know, having a good time. But I think now everything is coming back. And we are also in the short term debt cycle, you know, 2022, 2015, 2008, 2001, 1994, 1987. So uh, usually even always after uh, summer, you know, stock markets started to crash and so on. So I mean, of course, it's hard to predict the future, but I think, yeah, you cannot just, you know, inject trillions, trillions. Uh, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, one trillion second is, uh, represents 31,709 years. And we injected, I don't know, we are standing right now with the 310 trillion credit. I mean, it's just, it's just absolutely insane. It's nonsense. It's, uh, it's crazy. So it has, a, you know, there is always cause and effect. And uh, so that's why I'm really expecting you know, a, hard, a hard winter. Without energy, you're going to see the euro depreciating tremendously. We're going to most likely see, uh, you know, the banking crisis. It, it, it might stop. It might start in, in the eurozone. That's a bit. That's the weakest of all. Definitely, the dollar will be the last one to go. That's at least uh, my understanding so far. But uh, I think, yeah, we are really going into a uh, into a crisis. Oh yeah, big, big time. Yeah, I'm of the view that the EU's decision to join the U.S. in this economic war against Russia, where it's basically sanctioning Russia to the last European with 10 euros in their pocket could be the straw that breaks the camel's back when it comes to like the EU's like institutional stability. And it, I would not be surprised in the 2030s or 2040s if that entire block just falls apart and you're probably going to see like some regime collapses and some pretty nasty reactionary movements take its pl uh, its place, whether it's like on like the left or right or whatever. Yeah. But I don't see much stability coming there. 
Now, I want to shift the focus to Austrian economics. Has that school of thought gained ground in Switzerland? What are like the primary organizations and individuals that have embraced this line of thought? Yeah, I think on, on an individual level, I mean, you know, when it comes to the intellectuals, of course, I had, uh, that's, uh, I had some friends, you know, working for a liberal institute uh, over here in Switzerland, uh, basically lecturing the intellectuals. And I always told these guys, hey, listen, forget about it. You know, the 68ers, they have won. They had they their long march through the institutions and now they are sitting everywhere in, in politics, in the media, in, 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 in the business, in the universities and so on. So on the, on, the, on the intellectual level, I mean, it's just getting worse. Uh, you know, they are the, the, you know, the sovereign money guys and, you know, the LGBT uh, puppet movement, of course. So I think on, on the, the elite level, there hasn't changed that much. But when it comes to the individual people on the street, the hardworking, uh, I mean, yeah, we started a Hayek uh, club a few years ago. And, um, and now, of course, also since Corona, I mean, we have we gained so much more people who now want to understand, who are reading Austrian economics to understand, you know, how, how an economy is working and that it cannot, that you can never steer an economy. And they also don't want to go back to Zentralverwaltungswirtschaft, you know, which, was, which we are in right now, which was basically turned by Walter Eucken, uh, how he defined, you know, Nazi Germany, uh, the economical system, you know, and everything was centrally planned, centrally managed, but still you had, the companies were owned by private individuals. But, you know, if, if Hitler wasn't happy with those uh, the people, then they, he just replaced, you know, the, the managers and so on. But everything was centrally, uh, centrally controlled. And I think a lot of Swiss, they, they, understand, they understand that it's not good, that it cannot work, you know, that central planning doesn't work and that it never worked. And uh, so they are now uh, starting to read uh, Austrian economics. They're also starting to get together with people and uh, lecturing and educating themselves. So it's, it's, yeah, overall, it's, it's, a, it's a very positive uh, development. I mean, it's still not huge, but um, it, I mean, in, in the circle where I'm, always the people that I'm surrounded with, of course, it's, it's a big topic. And um, so even all these guys who, who just, you know, maybe they woke up two years ago because of this corona, but now they're also interested in understanding the economy and, and the, yeah, that they understand whatever they are reading, it doesn't make sense. Um, and so now they really want to, to educate themselves, to, to understand the big picture and to understand basic uh, natural right, natural laws at the end of the day. Yeah, just to like cap things off, the it's clear like the West is not in particularly great shape owing to its thorough embrace of mass migration, multiculturalism, political correctness, economic interventionism, etc., etc. All of these like wacky ideas. How do you see the prospects for liberty playing out in Europe in the next few decades? And also, are you optimistic about Switzerland maintaining its relative degree of freedom? I mean, you know, the, the rulers, of course, they want the French Revolution 2.0. I mean, that's what we can witness when it comes to the media and, you know, the strategies, the divide and conquer, the fear and control. So they really, I mean, they, and also this LGBT or whatever, I mean, it's completely absurd. So, I mean, when you watch German TV, for example, I mean, it's a Rocky Horror Picture Show and you look at these politicians. So, so, so people cannot take it serious any longer. And they also, of course, they also get in, when you, when you try to indoctrinate them on a daily basis with all this absurd bullshit, I mean, then some people are getting uh, nuts, you know, they, they, they become more aggressive and so on. And that's really what they want. I mean, they want that we start killing each other and that group A is going against group B and that's it. And then they can restart the system and we still have ser servants and rulers or masters. And um, so I, I have the feeling, I mean, there I, I see, I mean, there people need to understand that we don't need these masters, you know, and that, that we are born free and that... Um, that we should not participate in this Muppet show any longer and that we don't become, you know, that this collectivism is, is bad in, in, in which way, whatever it is at the end of the day, you know, that if you want to oppress other groups and so on. And I think, yeah, Switzerland definitely, because of the culture, which I tried to explain at the beginning of the interview, I think we are in a, in a, in a pretty good shape. Uh, but I think, you know, you're also going to have sound people in France and in Spain and in uh, Portugal and also in Germany. And, um, but I don't know how it's going. You know, I, I'm expecting civil unrest, civil war, 
I mean, absolutely possible in, in, in Germany and also in Italy and uh, in France. And uh, yeah, and then we'll see. I I also don't know. A pretty bleak picture indeed, but I think this is a good place to wind things down for today. Now, Claudio, great time chatting with you. Tell my listeners where they can keep up with you and your latest projects. Okay, I mean, you know, they can... I have my homepage, it's claudiograss.ch and um, so there I'm, 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 I'm publishing uh, articles. I'm working on a few, uh, a few, we just created a new company because we want to digitalize gold, but you know, 100% backed, 100% physical. So, you know, there are a lot of things going on. I have another company which is completely decentralized IT. So, you know, basically you can replace Microsoft Office with, with a completely decentralized encrypted uh, private solution. So there is, yeah. So, I mean, sign up, you know, they can sign up, they can check out my homepage, they can sign up for my blog. Uh, I'm also, uh, I'm doing these interviews. Sometimes I'm also interviewing people with companies I find interesting and I really would like to, to push because they do, uh, they, yeah, they are helping to free the individual with the services that they are uh, developing and creating. And so I'm also writing about, about that stuff, of course. Fantastic. Thank you for coming on again, Claudio. And again, to my audience, your attention is always appreciated. And with that, El Nino has spoken. Jose, thank you as well.